Welcome to the Energy Fellows Podcast, where each episode is designed to share expertise and experiences from U.S. and global energy fellows. They provide direction and possible solutions for ultimate journey results. Here's your host, Mark Stansberry. Welcome to another episode of the Energy Fellows Podcast. I'm Mark Stansbury, your host. And uh, if you will, please go to the rate and review under uh, the show notes and uh, fill that out for us. We'd love to hear from you and get your suggestions, ideas. Also, there's a survey that's on the show notes. Uh, it only takes about 10 seconds or so to fill out. It'll uh, provide you, uh, by filling that out, you'll... Uh, You'll get some, um, you know, stickers for your hard hats and laptop, whatever, however you want to use those. And uh, want to update you. Uh, we're excited that the documentary uh, that I helped be part of as far as a producer, and uh, it's called uh, Sherwood Forest Top Secret, has been nominated for a Heartland Emmy, and we're excited about that and really appreciate all the those uh, that participated that way, about 58 cast and crew, uh, Barry Corbin, um, an actor that most of you are familiar with, uh, was our narrator. And so uh, anyway, we'll keep you up to date on that and uh, go to Google or other locations for uh, pbs.org and other locations for uh, to, for the documentary, to see the documentary. Also update on the uh, book, America Needs American Energy, Creating Together the People's Energy Plan. Uh, the supplement to that, or the monograph. America Needs America's Energy and Its Natural Resources can be found on Barnes & Noble. Amazon is an e-book. I hope you go there as well. And then uh, stay tuned on uh, upcoming episodes uh, of uh, the Energy Fellows podcast. Also, uh, there's uh, a column that I've been contributing editor to for the Woman Magazine for uh, over 10 years, or right at 10 years, I should say. And see, definitely uh, look at the columns, uh, keep up to date that way as well. And I want to thank all the sponsors uh, that provide uh, the uh, sponsorship for this program um, and also the OGGN network and family and team as well. Well, today we're in for a, uh, a treat uh, as, as we've had uh, Matt Watson on uh, the Energy Fellows before talking about cybersecurity and we, we got started on it and uh, we need to continue to see what's what's developing there as well, but also, uh, Matt, welcome uh, to the Energy Fellows. Thanks so much for having me, Mark. It's a pleasure and uh, really appreciate you paying some attention to this important topic and, and having me on as your guest again. Well, it is an important topic for sure, and so we're delighted to have you on. Uh, wanted to uh, go over certain things uh, with you, and that is we need to hear from you about, there's certain folks that probably didn't hear about your bio, your background, those kind of things. And I think we ought to start there and then go through uh, some of the things that uh, we want to ask you, have got down here to ask you uh, on cybersecurity and some other issues. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm an Oklahoma boy, uh, born and raised. I was born in Norman, Oklahoma in 1989 um, to birth parents that I never knew. So I, I was put into the foster care system when I was an infant and adopted by my parents, Larry and Carlin, out in Tuttle, Oklahoma, which is where I, I grew up. And so I went to the uh, public school system there in Tuttle and graduated and went to college out in Chickasha, Oklahoma, at the University of Science and Arts of Oklahoma, which, Mark, you know something about. I know Definitely. you've uh, served on their board of regents. So uh, thanks for your service there well, and, you. and had a great time. And then... Um, uh, I wanted to go into the military. Long story short, the recruiting numbers weren't there. So I went to get my master's degree in public policy 
at Texas A&M University at the Bush School of Government and Public Service. Mm-hmm. Um, did some time in D.C. For, for better or for worse, mm-hmm. spent a summer in D.C. studying policy mm-hmm. and international affairs. Came back and uh, joined the Marine Corps, and I was a commissioned officer for about five and a half years in, uh, in the Marine Corps. Came back home with my wife in December of 2019, and um, and have been here ever since. Um, and lived, I'm living in Norman today. And uh, I did cybersecurity in the Marine Corps, so I wasn't like a keyboard t- type of person, or you know, the, the keyboard warrior, as they say. Mm-hmm. I was more of a, uh, a a telecommunications engineer. So let's let's draw up this diagram. We're going to deploy somewhere, and you know, you'd have 50, 75, 100 United States Marines uh, under your command, and you would go, you'd build out this communications infrastructure, you would defend it from cyber threats, uh, and then you would tear that infrastructure down and go back home. And so that's what I did and came back home and, and stayed in cybersecurity, and, and now I'm working there in the private sector. Well, it sounds very similar to what uh, you've done in, you did in the Marines is where we are today is that uh, we've got to protect our our energy industry. And, uh, as far mm-hmm, as mm-hmm, I know mm-hmm. that we met back in the fall, back at the oil and gas expo in Oklahoma city. Uh, yes. and, uh, yes, you have fond memories as I do of USAO serve, I've served mm-hmm. on the board, but you as a student and so forth. And I know you're an active alum as well. And, uh, yes. going to use your expertise now, uh, in, uh, in the energy sector, uh, what do you see as as the main threats when it comes to cybersecurity and more specifics? Okay, yeah. So in terms of our cybersecurity threat, it's something like we've never seen before insofar as this, this threat is really, it's domestic and it's global. So instead of having to worry about, you know, in, in decades previous where we've got other countries that are doing bad things around the world, and, and those are known as you know adversaries or near peers, whatever you want to call them, and you have to worry about, unfortunately, or, or God forbid, going to war with them. Um, and then you've also got domestic problems like crime and, and things like that that you have to take a focus on uh, with law enforcement. Cybersecurity is really an, it's a blend of both. And so you're just as susceptible to a cyber attack and theft of data and information and and sensitive materials that can have a serious impact on your business if you're in the energy sector, on your personal life, regardless. And so you have to be very vigilant because it could be, you know, the 12-year-old kid in mom's basement that's got too much access to the internet and knows how to hack things. It could be uh, the Chinese Communist Party and and they have platoons of of uniformed personnel Mm -hmm. and contractors that are looking at American critical infrastructure and energy is right at the epicenter of that. Um, you know, energy security effectively is national security. We've got to have it for America to be America and our enemies know that. And so, uh, and so do criminals. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of money to, to be, to be had there. And there's a lot of, uh, political influence to be exerted on America by targeting energy. So are we looking at from, from your standpoint, from your company and what you're doing, are you looking at primarily from the oil and gas sector? Or are you looking at the, the grid? Or are you looking at, you know, from all the providers of uh, energy as far as the wind, uh, energy, se- right. wind, solar, and other sectors? How do you fit in? Right. So 
we, you know, I work at a company called Guernsey that's based in Oklahoma City, and we've got a, a cybersecurity team that really looks at, as you as you pointed out, the electric grid, but also all of the energy production that goes into powering that electric grid. So it's really all of the above. And so you don't have, you know, as you know, Mark, in order to harness natural resources and make them useful for energy purposes, you have to build machines. Those machines nowadays have computers attached to them. So it's really anywhere you've got these, these networks where instead of, you know, valves being turned by hand, they're going to be turned by a computer. Mm -hmm. And if that computer, by virtue of just being a computer, it's vulnerable to these attacks. And so, you know, it's oil and gas, it's, it's the electric grid, it's renewables and how they plug into and plug into that. Um, The principles remain the same uh, across the energy sector. And again, your region uh, or regions of the country, are you looking internationally, domestically? Uh, What, what's, where does Guernsey go? Where do, where do you go to provide the service? It's mostly, it, so it's domestic. Our, our focus is mostly, I would say, in the Midwestern region. We've got clients, you know, that, are, that span the United States. But as you know, I mean, this, the state of Oklahoma is an absolute powerhouse in the energy sector. It's leading the way. And so we have a lot of folks here that we work with um, that that need that cybersecurity help and, and need to be on the lookout from all of those threats that I mentioned. Do you feel like the uh, far as the legislature, not only in Oklahoma but throughout the country, is uh, has stepped up uh, and federally as well, or, or, or is there some missing parts there? Support, I should say, for getting more cybersecurity uh, looked at from the standpoint of our security as a country. Or, or, as a, right. or even locally, nationally uh, as well. Of course, we've got to. We've got a lot more work to do. Uh, when I was at Texas A and M and studying policy, there were some policies that were pushed out at the federal level, but they were very broad. Not a lot of content to them. Um, we were. It was very wild west. You know, as a country, we were figuring out. Okay, what are the cybersecurity threats out there? And what can we do about them and and how do we tackle this? And so we're still playing catch up with that. We still don't have a good handle on it. And, um, you know, in terms of, of, of local, uh, action that we can take, you really see the States stepping up and putting into place privacy laws. And so I see States focusing on making sure that if a company, um, let's say you've got a company in the energy sector that's holding, information that could be sensitive because if, you know, if China gets a hold of it, that could be bad for national security or like credit card payment card information that would be sensitive to your customers or clients. Um, the states are taking a look at that and making sure that the companies are safeguarding that. The, the, the problem or the trade-off that we're seeing there is that there's really two ways to to approach this, which is you can either incentivize companies to invest in cybersecurity, or you can regulate it. And so far, the federal government has chosen the latter, and in my opinion, and they are um, they're really focusing in on mandating certain certain sectors, especially energy, right. you know, to invest in cybersecurity. I know that there's some interest in in helping companies to pay for that. But I, I work with companies all the time 
that are effectively seeing this as an unfunded mandate. So it's another source of risk for them. No question. And that's that's what I was going to ask uh, as well is the funding side of it. There's certain companies would love to be stepping up on the cybersecurity threat Mm -hmm. on their security efforts. Uh, but with their uh, limited budgets sometimes because they're trying to put money back either in the ground or to provide infrastructure for the grid or whatever it might be. How, right. What's what's a minimal way to approach it? Is there such a thing as a minimal way? It seems like to me you've got to pretty well max out to, to be the most, mm-hmm. most protected. Oh, th- there's a huge supply-demand problem right now in terms of personnel resourcing, paying for the technologies. And so, you know, you've got these companies that have to comply uh, you know, you, so you could have, let's, let's make it particular. So the Department of Homeland Security, ha, you know, they withhold the, they reserve the right to say for a pipeline company, for instance, here in Oklahoma, um, under the, under the guise of national security, you're going to be required to make these cybersecurity changes and investments inside of your company. Uh, what's unwritten is that that requires an enormous amount of personnel to get done or at least personnel hours over the long term. It's going to require technology investment. So how's that going to get paid for? And, and part of what we do and what I do at Guernsey is, is help these companies figure out how that's going to get done. And, you know, to make a long story short, it's really important to focus on taking what's given today. So what is your IT infrastructure? What does your telecommunications infrastructure look like today? Let's maximize that first and then see if we have to shore that up with additional expenditures and investments instead of, you know, I think what the, the, the unwise approach would be, we've got these requirements, let's write a blank check or, or force companies to write a blank check to just cover all of this stuff whole hog. Right. Well, do you have other services that you provide in addition that could complement the cybersecurity through Guernsey that would help? Oh, yes. Could you tell us Absolutely. about that as well? Yes, please. So, so Mr. Guernsey, uh, C.H. Guernsey, bat- started the company right before the Great Depression, and, and he did uh, great work with our rural electric cooperatives in, uh, you name it, at, you know, uh, designing buildings, helping look at rate analysis, you know, just being a friend of the rural electric cooperatives, and we still do that today. We've got a great department of folks that 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 are assisting our friends in energy with you know how to price these things how to um, analyze all of the data that goes into what it costs to provide energy to uh, the country Uh, they still do that we've got architects engineers on staff that do work in energy and then of course we've got our cybersecurity team so it's really a, you know, we're a friend to American Energy. We're a friend to Oklahoma Energy and Texas Energy and, and, and you name it. Um, and, and that's exactly where we want to be. That's wonderful. I'd, I know that you'd mentioned that uh, the workforce side of it uh, at one of the last interviews we had uh, was right. uh, we held was uh, you were talking about the, the lack of the workforce that you need to, to, mm-hmm. to meet the challenge. But you talked about your background. If you will talk about your background again, especially how, you know, how do people that are looking, uh, whether students or those that are uh, up, up in age, in a sense, looking for a new career mm-hmm. or a career in cybersecurity, it, you don't have to major in a certain subject necessarily. You, you wind up, you might tell us about what you talked about there, because you talked about your liberal arts, I believe, background. Absolutely. 
Well, as a graduate of the University of Science and Arts of Oklahoma, I understand how important it is to to have you know a technical knowledge, a knowledge of, of how things work in the natural world, but also a knowledge of how to think about things critically. And that is sorely needed in cybersecurity. In other words, I we need people that can think about things from more than one point of view, that can think about things holistically, um, break down complex ideas into you know simple uh, things to understand. And so we talked about it a little bit last time. You're right, Mark, but I really want to hammer this point that you do not have to be some technical wizard to serve in cybersecurity and, and protect your country and its critical infrastructure. We need people that can communicate. We need people that can write. We need people that can think effectively. Uh, we need people, of course, that are great at the technical side and the zeros and ones. But we need people like me. I mean, Mark, I couldn't spell computer when I joined the Marine Corps, and they said, "Well, you're gonna you're gonna do this because that's how the military works. You get your job. You can do your wish list, but." It's a helpful suggestion at best, let's say. And so they said, hey, you're going to do this. And I said, okay. And so they sent me to a course for it. And now I'm doing it uh, full time in the private sector. And we need people like that. And, and to your point, the workforce data is very concerning. You've got, you know, simultaneously, you've got a generation that is retiring, which is the baby boomers. Um, and now even Gen X, as they call it, you know, they're they're exiting the workforce right now at the same time that you know my generation, the millennials, and and the Generation Z, we are not replacing at nearly the rate we need to, and, and we also have a problem with labor force participation in my in my generation in particular, and so there is and there's going to be a world of opportunity. You can chart your own destiny, I would say, in cybersecurity if you want to. You just have to have the willingness to try. Where does the uh, individual go to find information? I mean, besides uh, maybe a, right. a college that has a cybersecurity institute or a department or whatever, where do they go? Because, I mean, there's a lot of, you know, that's the question I, I would go, I'd, yeah, I want to change jobs or I want to look at a career. Right. How do you go about it? Well, you know, to your point, the the university system is a great place to look, but depending on where you're at in life, you may not have the luxury of going to a four-year program or even a two-year program, maybe not even a certificate program. And so a lot of this can be self-taught. Um, if, if you're talking about the technical piece itself, there's a lot of online resources. I mean, you can use the Google machine and, and punch that in there, but there's all sorts of academies and things like that where they're going to teach you from the, from the ground up. Here's how, you know, if you want to be a, what we call a penetration tester and you want to kind of attack these systems to see where their vulnerabilities are, here's how you do that from the ground up. Or if you want to defend these systems here, here's how you do it. And then there's, there's just a wide swath of people that we could use where, Maybe you don't even have to go online. If, if I've got somebody that's a great writer and they can communicate complex ideas in a way that's understandable to business executives and makes actionable information out of it, I want to talk to that person. The zeros and ones and, and how to talk about it can be learned, but what we really need is, is just a good work ethic and somebody that has a knack for people. You, you talked about in, in the prior episode uh, that you were on, there was a program uh, that you were representing, Fars Gurdzi, with uh, 
I think in the state of Oklahoma and maybe other states uh, that you were helping qualify. I, I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was something that was very important for those that are in cybersecurity. Could you tell us about what that is? Maybe, uh, maybe I was dreaming that up, but I don't think so. <laughs> no, no. So I think I think what we were talking about is this this program that the government's putting together called the Cybersecurity Maturity Model Certification, yeah, it, it, which is it, really yeah. it's in the Department of Defense uh, ecosphere. And long story short, it's going to be a um, it's going to be a law that uh, you're going to have to forgive me, Mark. I'm not a lawyer and don't pretend to be one. So so forgive my ignorance not here, but problem. effectively either, so the <laughs> <laughs> That's, yeah. So, uh, so they're going to, they're going to, uh, they being, um, the executive branch and the legislative branch of the United States are going to work together to put this thing in the code of federal regulations. And it's going to say this, if you've got a defense contract, then you're going to be required to do some level of cybersecurity inside your company. Mm -hmm. And there's different levels and maturity and all this. We won't necessarily get into that, but what folks in the energy sector need to know is is if you're if you're supplying energy to a Department of Defense installation, you need to know about this program. Um, and Guernsey is, I would say, you know, leading the way on that. We were the eighth company in the United States to become a certified assessor uh, for that. So that means that basically the Department of Defense deputized the company, and they can go out and give these assessments and say yes, you're compliant, or no, you're not. And that goes back to the Department of Defense, and they'll um, they'll consider that you know you're compliant with the program if you get that third party assessor mm -hmm. uh, to take care of you. And so we're really laser focused on that because, like I said earlier, energy security is national security. We've got to have a thriving, vibrant energy sector in the state of Oklahoma right. and throughout the United States. And so to do that, you know, one key piece of that is securing the infrastructure that these companies, uh, you know, that the, that these companies use on a daily basis to power the country mm -hmm. without breaking the bank, without going over budget and without forcing undue burdens on them. And so that's really what we're trying to do at Guernsey every day. And your website or contact information for Guernsey? You can go to, uh, www.guernsey, G-U-E-R, n-s-e-y dot u-s and you click on i think it's in the top left there's a little drop down menu there's even a little cmmc button you can click mm -hmm. and you can see all the the things that you'll need to do and and you can send uh you give us a phone call send us an email and, and we can make that available for anybody listening um here's what we'll do we're going to shoot you straight so there there's there's an opera you know there's there's a chance that you'll talk to somebody there's some great assessors out there. There's some great cybersecurity professionals, but you need somebody who's going to shoot you straight and just tell you what you need, when you need it, not try to push services or you got to invest in this, or you need me for the rest of your entire life for everything that you need. <laughs> right. Here's the truth. That's what you're going to get if you give us a call. And so, you know, that's the, that's the, the, the message that I would have about Guernsey to anybody listening. That's fabulous. Yeah. That's the way to go for sure. And that's what they want to hear. Uh, people don't have time to waste. They want direct, transparent information, and that's the way to do business. So that's great to hear. That's right. Great to hear. You know, you have uh, you provided last time some, uh, I guess, some reading materials you could go to, uh, but also you, uh, you mentioned um, some habits that you have in the workplace. Uh, 
um, and also some advice to give to others. If you would expand on that, because uh, there are those that are really uh, in a state of, you know, where, where's our future? What are we going to, you know, they're asking mm-hmm. themselves, where's our future, my future? And, and they're asking themselves, what's next? And all those kind of things that, that are very important to them individually as well as for their companies. Uh, what some advice do you have um, along the way to help them with their form good habits and tips on better advice that way and uh, and also what good materials you can you read that you may have come across since we last talked? Oh yeah, that, thanks for the question. We we did discuss that last time, and I'll, I'll reiterate. I mean, so for young folks that are that are looking to join the workforce, there's we're going through a very tumultuous time. And so, you know, you've got remote work and, and economic uncertainty and, and you're coming into a world, a work, a workforce that is very, you know, it can be chaotic at times. And I would just reiterate to folks that, you know, I think it's, it's, it's critically important to focus on something higher than yourself. So president George HW Bush, who was the namesake of, of the Bush school that I went to, always said that public service is a noble calling. And there's so many ways that that can be, you don't have to run for office or be a, you know, be in the government to do that. You know, being a father or a mother or a good family member, that's a public service. That's just a service to others. You know, you're never going to, you're never going to be fulfilled if you just chase happiness or, or, you know, the next, you know, hit of dopamine Mm -hmm. from your cell phone or from whatever, Life is about serving others and it's about some, serving something higher than yourself. So I cannot emphasize enough to focus on finding what that is, um, whether it's in, in religious life or in civic life or family or all the above. It's so critically important to do that. And I think we talked last time, I'll put a, put a plug in for them. I, I'm a member of a group called uh, Online Great Books where we have a little book club where we read the greatest books and in, in the history of Western civilization and struggle with it. And of course we're not classics professors or anything special. So, um, you know, we're not, we're, we're struggling with it. We're just normal folks, but there's something about drawing from the wisdom of yesterday that is so empowering in one's life because you, you realize that not only is it important to serve something higher than self, but also there's a lot of people that have come before you that have lived difficult lives and done amazing things with their lives. And you can draw wisdom and inspiration from them. And so that that's, you know, that's what I would recommend to folks is, is learn from yesterday and, and, and focus on something higher than self and and you're going to have a bright tomorrow. Wonderful words of advice and wisdom along the way. Thank you for sharing that, Matt. And, uh, do you have? Uh, we'd lo- I'd love to stay on longer. Each time, uh, it always comes down ah. to a certain time that the producer likes me to to allocate, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so we'll we'll keep that uh, keep that uh, advice <laughs> that he, that they provide. But uh, do you have any final words for this episode? We'll hope to back hope to have you back uh, in upcoming episodes. But uh, on this episode, do you have any final words uh, that you'd like to share with us? Yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, thanks for having me today, Mark. Definitely. You are a a good friend. You are you have been really inspirational in my life, wow. and so for all the listeners, you. you've got a great host here, and and not because he's a great host, but because he's a great man. Wow. And so, thank you so much for that. And and um, you know, I've got 
my uh, my private sector work going on day by day to, to secure the country and their critical infrastructure, but I also wanted to let the audience know that um, recently I've I've been looking into uh, running for the Oklahoma State Senate in 2024. Mm-hmm. Just as President Bush said, public service is a noble calling. I really take that to heart and uh, look forward to talking about that more in the future, Mark. Hopefully you can have me back and we can discuss that as the campaign unfolds. But um, maybe maybe this, this last thought, which is that, you know, I've hit on it before, but the energy sector is so critical mm-hmm. to this country and this way of life. So everybody that's listening to this, that's in that sector, you know, I consider it, you know, something in the ballpark almost of military service nowadays. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, you're facing a lot of headwinds in the public, in the public opinion. And I want to let you know that keep, keep doing what you're doing. You're keeping America, America, mm-hmm. and you are helping to defend our country because energy security is national security. So thank you. Well, and thank you for sharing the, what your plans are and uh, definitely like to continue to dialogue with you, as you know, but you're, you're right. When it comes to energy literacy, and uh, it's so important, uh, we, we campaign on that in a sense. It's like campaigns because we, we really want people to know about the facts, not just only the myths, but the, the answer that's truly facts, like you're talking about, being even your company trying to give the facts and transparent in what you can do. And I think when we're looking at all the natural resources, which is in my book, America Needs America's Energy, and it's natural resources, it's not a fight between different sectors within the sector of energy. It's how can we work together for the future of America. And so when we talk Mm -hmm. about oil and gas, it's not competing with wind and solar. It's how do we complement each other and help uh, collaborate together in a way that will be effective. So we look at oil and gas, wind, solar, nuclear, biomass, on and on, hydrogen, and natural resources. And we have plenty, plenty, uh, we're plentiful in the United States. And we have a workforce potential that's unbelievable. We have so many uh, people that are interested in uh, trying to find a future, and one of those is cybersecurity. And so in order to have energy security, we have to have a strong workforce and and a strong legislative uh, body as well that supports uh, by looking at facts and all the way to Congress and so forth. So we need more uh, public servants uh, in that regard that are looking at uh, the facts and how they can apply those facts uh, to the energy sector. So uh, we appreciate any input that those who are listening have. We're always willing to share those ideas and thoughts. And the reason for the books and the monograph and all that is dialogue. Because the more conversation we have in a constructive way, the better. Because we're not always going to agree, but we can't agree that we can uh, converse and share our ideas together. And thank you, Matt, for being on the Energy Fellows. It's an honor. Thanks, Mark. Well, it's truly an honor to have you on the show. The future of energy depends on us, depends on all of us. Stay tuned for upcoming episodes of the Energy Fellows podcast. I'm Mark Stansbury. Thank you. Join us again next week on the Energy Fellows podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. To learn more, go to OGGN.com. 